Hey, everybody, it is Trags, Mike Petralia, back with another episode of the Jungle Roar podcast. I want to welcome in a new guest, a new participant to the rotation. He is Andrew Gillis of Cleveland.com, and he is also uh, one of the three hosts of the Strictly Stripes podcast, uh, covering all things Cincinnati Bengals for Cleveland.com. He is a wonderful addition to the rotation, and he's a great addition in the media workroom, putting up with all of my silliness, agitation. What other words would you use to describe me when I'm not in a great mood, Andrew? Ooh, agitation was a good one, man. There was the, just the, it it wasn't so much the words. It was just the noises that you were making in Baltimore really kind of made me laugh. Yes. Uh, So I I think agitate frustration, um, just general bewilderment, I think would be a good way to put it. So let us uh, be very clear for the loyal subscribers to this podcast. And I hope they're not dropping off in droves after this (laughs) intro, but I do not like night football. More specifically, I don't like covering night football. They're very, very long nights. And I know I'm going down a very treacherous path here, complaining to people about the lifestyle of covering a National Football League team. Night football makes for a long day into a long night. And um, you just go through these phases in the press box where you just want the game to get underway already because you're waiting around all day as the song goes for Sunday night. And uh, so, you know, I do have issues with night football. I have to get my mojo a little bit, a little bit better prepared for it. Uh, but enough about me. Uh, I want to talk about these Bengals and you are certainly qualified to uh, comment on the Bengals and what is wrong with the team after a two and three start after that gut punching uh, 19 to 17 loss on Sunday night in Baltimore. The Bengals don't have their mojo. And offensively, I think everybody's been waiting, Andrew, for this team to find it. I want to ask you, what do you think it will take for this Cincinnati Bengals team to get into a rhythm and move forward offensively? Yeah, so the thing that I've kind of used as an example here for the last, you know, handful of weeks has been it's this offense is basically like if you if you've ever lifted anything before, if you've ever lifted for a sport for whatever and you stop and you emit and you go back a couple of weeks couple of months later and you try to do the same weight that you used to be able to do and you can't do it incredibly frustrating because it it, you can look at last year and I think last year is almost acting as a negative for this team right now because they're you know oh they used to be able to do this they used to be able to do that and now I think the number one thing you have to do is you just have to find a thing I don't know what it is. You have to find something that you can rely on to do. Because like, if we're going to talk about the offense right now, what have they done consistently well all year? I don't know. I like, I don't know what the answer to that is. That's it's, a great question, actually. Like they found a, like, because we, we can sit here, Chags, and we can be like, oh, well, you know, you found a, you found a shotgun running game and you, you kind of were able to work something when you were running out of the gun in Baltimore. Okay, we're going to get excited about two and a half quarters of a run game. Like, I, I don't know. Like, okay, well, Jamar Chase had a really good game against the Steelers. Well, okay, teams have pretty well blanketed their receivers so far this year. They've prevented the big play. So I don't know if that is we are going to death by paper cut other teams and we're just going to throw a bunch of five-yard slants 
And like Brian Callahan mentioned, long handoffs. If you do that, if you run it out of the gun, I don't know, but you have to find something that works because right now I think what they're doing is they're just trying to do everything at once. And I think that's actually kind of working in a negative for them right now. So that's a very interesting point. And for most, for the most part, I agree with it. The one thing I think that they have done well is run up tempo. And I don't quite understand why they haven't stuck with that more. Uh, Not only do I think they've run better out of shotgun, or they did at least on Sunday night, they run better when they run tempo. And I think they're going to have to find a way uh, to get into tempo more. I know a lot of offensive coaches uh, around the league don't like it because if you run up tempo and you're three and out real quick, um, you're actually putting a lot more burden on the defense and a lot of defensive coaches don't like it. But uh, the thing is with these Bengals, they're going to have to find something going forward to get Joe Burrow in a rhythm. And to me, he looks most comfortable right now uh, when he's actually running fast and making decisions instinctively instead of uh, having to think about it. And I think that is certainly one thing that they could try. I want to get into something here uh, that you brought up on Twitter, and I think it's a very, very interesting point. Joe Burrow averaged the fewest air yards per attempt in a game in his career on Sunday night. He was blitzed at the lowest rate in a game in his career, 2.7%. Burrow did not complete his only deep attempt of the game. You retweeted uh, ESPN uh, Next Gen stats, of course, but you still uh, point this out on Twitter. And by the way, people can follow Andrew Gillis at Andrew underscore Gillis seven zero on Twitter, please do. He's a great follow. But I think this statistic makes a great point about the struggles the Bengals and in particular Joe Burrow are having. And I'll go even a step further. Sometimes when you struggle at something, but it's something you need to succeed at, which the Bengals need to succeed at the deep passing game, you just have to keep doing it until you get it right. Yeah, like you mentioned the deep passing game there and and like it's funny because, uh, you know, we're trying to diagnose what's wrong and I don't quite know what the medicine is for this because I like it depends on what time of the day you ask me really like sometimes I'm like you have Jamar Chase, you have T Higgins, throw it up, just just do it. You, you just you just have to bite the bullet and go for it. And then there's other parts of the day where I'm like, well move Jamar around, get him the ball 12 times a game. And it doesn't matter if it's over the sl- over the middle on a slant because Jamar can take that to the house. T Higgins can take that to the house. We saw Tyler Boyd do it in New York. So I, you know, I think they just kind of, like I was saying earlier, I think you just have to commit to one thing. Like, I think it has to be a commitment to say, look, if teams are going to do this fine, because teams are not going away from this like you're like the you're gonna have to beat them at it right just because a team doubles and in some cases triples or does some exotic zones underneath their uh two shell coverage which is what a lot of teams have been doing um that doesn't mean you still don't attack downfield and that's where i think the bengals have to make up their mind okay teams are doing this but we're still going to do what we do we're going to scheme around it a bit but we're still going to find ways to get the ball deep and i think that would make everybody in that locker room who plays for the offense feel a lot more confident 
Yeah, and you know, you can't, when I say that, I mean, it, it's easier said than done, obviously, because you can't just say, like, we are going to test them deep and then throw into double coverage down the field on first and 10. Like, that's just not a recipe for success because eventually Burrow's going to get picked. And right now, that like, Burrow's done a way better job since week one protecting the ball. So, you know, I think it's one of those things where you have to be selective about it, but the you just can't have Burrow throw one pass longer than 15 yards in the air in a game. Like that is like, you don't draft Jamar chase fifth. You right. don't draft T Higgins right. 33rd and you don't draft a quarterback number one overall, by the way, with an organization that already had Tyler Boyd in it and just say, okay, well, we're going to try and throw it to, you know, Hayden Hurst. and no disrespect to Hayden Hurst, but you can't, you can't just settle for that. You've got to get the ball in their hands somehow. And yeah. the, the the deep ball has to be part of that. Well, I would argue they haven't even used Hayden Hurst properly. And, you know, you've heard me um, get on a soapbox in the press box about this, correct? The seam route? I, the, oh, you oh you love the seam route. Okay. Well, I mean, it, look, this is going to sound tired and hackneyed, but yes, I covered Gronk in New England. And I saw what the seam route run effectively with a dynamic pass catching tight end. And I would consider Hearst their dynamic pass catching tight end. They went out and signed him and, and brought him to Cincinnati for the reason that we anticipated was to be another passing threat to kind of break up the double coverage that they were going to anticipate with Jamar Chase. And I just don't see them using uh, Hayden Hurst enough uh, in their offense. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I've been thinking about that, too, because I'm curious about does sending Hurst on those seam routes, like you mentioned, does sending Boyd on some of these longer routes maybe get you one-on-one -on -one coverage down the field? Should. If, I mean, if, secondary's if Jamar, on like if, so many people to cover. Like, yeah, like if, if you have Jamar and T running drag routes over the middle or a slant and a dig or an in whatever you want right. to do, if those are shallower routes – and then all of a sudden you've got Hirsch running down the seam, right down the hash. And then you've got Boyd running a corner. Does that stretch the defense? Because like, would defense, I like, I, this is me asking, I don't know, but like, would defenses stay in that cover two shell? If the Bengals have decided we're going to send our better receivers underneath. I like, is that something? I just think that. Here's my, here's my thing. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to stop you. Because I'm going to go on a rant here. And oh, let's hear it. I can't wait for it. If teams are going to double two players, then say, okay, you're not going to be able to double five. There's no way you can do that. And Burrow's going to have to drop back, make quick reads, pre-snap, which he's very, very, very good at. It's one of his best strengths, I think, as a very young quarterback in the National Football, Football League. He is able to move the chess pieces around before the snap for a guy of his age better than um, most quarterbacks who have ever played the game. He's just a very bright guy. But you've got to put the ball in his hands and tell him you've got three seconds to get rid of the ball, make your read, and get the ball downfield or ro roll out of the pocket or do something. And you've got to flood these defenses and overload them if they're going to double two receivers. And that would be my answer because you are a, a passing team, primarily first and foremost. Yes, you want to run the ball, but until you get away from the wide zone runs that I'm not a big fan of, 
I want to see power running and I want to see play action and I want to see ball going down the field. I think that would be a much better formula for success. And I'm sure that Brian Callahan and Zach Taylor are very bright men. They are considering some form of this to answer what the defenses are doing, because I tell you this, uh, Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan aren't going to sit idly by and go, well, they're double teaming everybody. They're playing two shell, uh, two high shell uh, defenses. Nothing, you know, go, well, nothing we can do about it. They're not going to take that approach. And I think, you know, one response to these defenses certainly could be, okay, they're going to do that. We're going to overload them. And they're not going to be able to cover everybody, but it's going to be up to your quarterback and your offensive line to um, make sure he has the time to throw the ball downfield. Yeah. And and I think that there's outs for this too. It's because, you know, you hear this every NCAA tournament. It's like whenever Syracuse plays somebody, it's like, oh, well, teams can't shoot them out of the two, three zone. It's not that they don't have the ability to shoot them out of the two, three zone. It's just that they're not doing it. And the risk though, that I think you run into, like you were mentioning is like, I think, I think I brought this up to you actually at, at the airport. I want like, it is a business to get into if you can win football games with Hayden Hurst and Tyler Boyd. Like if you can do that, do it. The problem that I would, I would bring up though, is at the end of a game, do you want TB to have 12 targets, Hurst to have 10, and then Higgins and Jamar to combine for nine? Like I I wonder if my answer to that, I don't care about the targets, for right. one particular game, yes, they want to be happy. And yes, Jamar will speak out when he doesn't. Be- Jamar, I think, and I honestly believe this, Andrew, I think Jamar is more upset that the offense as a whole are not taking deep shots. Not that he's not getting the ball. I think he's like, why, why aren't we throwing deep? And he's like perplexed by that. And yes, he certainly would like to get his opportunities, but he knows that T Higgins and T- Tyler Boyd and Hayden Hurst are on this team. And he knows full well, they're his teammates. They need to get touches too. I think what Jamar is pissed off about is there's not even an attempt to get the ball downfield to test these defenses, to allow Jamar in cases of one-on-one coverage. And you know what? In some cases of double coverage to go up and make a play on the ball and that's what really, really bothers a lot of these receivers, I think. Yeah, and well, and and uh, I mean, obviously, they want team like they want the team to succeed. You know, they're not sitting there going, "Hey, I had twelve catches." Well, for I mean, Andrew, yards. you laugh, but some on some teams, oh, I, the the star receivers, you know, the diva uh, uh, reputation of a lot of these receivers. If they don't get the ball, screw it. I'm they're not putting me a part of the game plan. I'm out. Yeah, what was the the Keyshawn book was uh was throw me the damn ball. throw me the damn ball very good the the uh so like I I, I was kind of laughing when when T Higgins made that catch against Miami the long touchdown that the happiest yeah. person in the stadium was T Higgins and one B was Jamar Chase because the more T does that like the more right. you can connect on those deep balls T's not like that like you you mentioned you can't double everyone. It, that's got to be good for Jamar eventually. Like the more that you can, the more, it, it, like you said, it doesn't matter if it's, if Hayden Hurst is going to go running free down the scene, get him the ball. Because if you keep doing it, you're going to force defenses out of certain things. And then that opens Jamar. Um, I also want to bring up the point that 
you know, some of this is on Zach Taylor, some of it's on Brian Callahan, and this uh, leads us to the conversation of what really set Twitter afire and really pissed off almost every single Bengal fan on Sunday night. And we asked, Brian, you were there in the room, and I was, I asked Brian Callahan, you know, instead of the gimmickry and trick plays, don't you want your best players just to beat your best players? Stop when you have two yards to gain and you're running a play, a version of the Philly special. And the, the play is literally taking eight seconds to develop. You're giving Marcus Peters. Everybody's saying, oh, Marcus Peters made a great play. Well, he had time to diagnose the play and see what was happening in front of him. And yes, he made a terrific play. No question about that. But did you watch that play back several times like I did and go, boy, this play really took a freaking long time to unfold? Yeah, the the issue with the goal line, the play calling that I had was it wasn't like you were running the ball for 1.1 yard a carry and you just hadn't found success. You were running the ball successfully. And you got first and goal at the two. And then you decide to go like, right. like how many times have you in the press box this year, Trags, watch their offense go, you're going to call a run on that play. Like you're going to try and establish the run now. Like, and then you get down to the two and you don't do it. And, you know, I, that to me was the bigger issue that it wasn't like if they had been, if they had not been able to run the ball, like if, if the interior of that line was getting blown up, and they decided to run those plays way more defensible. To me, it was the it was the fact that they were running the ball and they didn't they went away from it at the time when you figured that they should immediately rely on it. Like you joked at the end of the game, uh, you and James, where it was like, hey, when they were going in for their final touchdown, it was sneak it three times, sneak it four times, whatever it was. I mean, I don't I, understand. I don't know why you can't do that. Well, uh, look, I've asked that um Zach this, I've asked Brian this ad nauseum, and they're like, Drags, we we do want to sneak it, but if we don't get the front, Joe's going to check out of it because that's what he's been instructed to do. And I'm like, okay, I guess that, look, they know infinitely more than I do, and I respect that, and I'm not going to say otherwise. However, at some point, I know what the front is, and I know what their defense might be in, you've got to beat that defense. You've got to beat the look that they're showing you. I, to me, the fundamental problem with the Bengals right now is teams are showing one thing and the Bengals are like, well, they're showing that. we got to scheme something else. No, if they're showing that, beat that. And I think Bengal fans are like scratching their heads going, don't we have haven't we heard all off season that we have one of the most talented offensive uh, offenses in the national football league with the best weapons in the NFL, let them make plays, let them beat their best. And yeah. I think that attitude has to change if these Bengals are going to be what we think they can be. Yeah. And it more than just kind of out scheming other teams, I think it, it just kind of falls into, I, I guess the bucket of, like like you said go go win like go go go, go win yeah yes. go win you you've got you you've got the guys to do it and you, like 
you can't you can't sit there with Jamar and T and Tyler Boyd and Hayden Hurst and everybody and let the game get dictated to you. Correct. That is not the way what's happening. That is not that is not the way a successful offense runs. Like I'm I'm trying to think of a like a correcting like like name insert defense here. Like the like last year's Rams, like with with Aaron Donald and Von Miller and and the, the front that they had, they're not going there. Well, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna run our front dependent upon what the other offense. No, you've got Aaron Donald, Von Miller, go after him. Pin your ears back and go after him. Like you've got Jamar Chase and T Higgins. Pin your ears back and go after him. Well, they certainly went after uh, Jalen Ramsey, who all we heard going up to the Super Bowl was, you know, Jalen Ramsey is going to press Jamar and he's going to make it life difficult. Well, how Jail or Jamar had an incredible game against Jalen Ramsey, had him beat uh, for one big play, and uh, obviously had him beat for what would have been the Super Bowl winning touchdown had Burrow had time to throw. Sometimes you have to go at the other team's best and say, we're going to beat our best is going to beat your best. And I just don't think the Bengals have that attitude right now. They're scheming, you know, the teams are showing one thing and you know, what, what did we hear the other night? Well, the teams are showing, um, you know, double, cover go too too high shell all game if they're going to do that we have to take it underneath well take it underneath but do it with your best players and let them uh make plays i just don't think the bengal's best players are being allowed to make enough plays and you're not going to win games if your best players aren't making enough plays on the field yeah this is all simplistic like duh well (laughs) but but it seems like it's a fundamental of football that the Bengals are struggling with right now. And, you know, I wrote this uh, the other night for CLNS media Bengals have no offensive identity right now. And you mentioned this right off the top of the podcast. We don't know who they are. That's a problem. That is a big problem. Yeah. Like, because the, you know, they have actually somehow, you know, it's funny we're, we're sitting here saying like, you know, Oh, this, that, the other, like, there will come times during this season where they need to mount a drive like they have in yes. Dallas where they went on that great drive and they were like, they went on the, uh, the great drive in the Baltimore game uh, at the end of the game to score. But this offense is not built in my opinion to do that. But what the, what the, like the so Ravens are, are genetically I I Go think ahead. they can be. I think they can be, Andrew. We, okay. saw, we saw two drives the other night, and I don't have the freaking box score in front of me, where they had drives of 13 plays and 15 plays and were able to march down. the Well, let, obviously, the touchdown drive in the fourth quarter was a right. long drive. The, t- the drive that failed with the stupid Philly special that was a 75 yard 15 play drive that save for the abomination at the end of it would have been another long drive. This team's capable of putting together long drives. It's just that they don't do it consistently enough. They'll put together one good drive and then get away from what they were doing and say, well, the defenses are for a while, at least for a little bit, Andrew, I want to see the team say, screw what the defenses are showing us necessarily. We're at least going to get our best players the ball more often. They have to. Yeah, and and 
kind of like you said, if, if you just go in with that, okay, screw it mentality, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to throw it up. And if, if Jamar and T can come down with it, that's what we need. And if they don't, then you tried it. Like at least you, well, at least and I don't mean not to cut you off, but I don't no, mean right. to throw into double coverage recklessly. I'm that right, for sure. not exactly. what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is, okay, they can't double everybody. Somebody's yep. got to be open downfield. And in a lot of cases, well, Tyler, I don't think T Higgins is going to play this week. That's just my sense. Mm-hmm. I think they, they'd be wise to give him a week off, uh, maybe even two weeks off, get him to the bye and have him healthy for the second half of the season. But uh, that aside, even without T, you still have a lot of weapons you can go to. And I think the Bengals need to start making up their mind how they're going to use them. Yeah, I mean, like the the problem with those, like I, I'm not saying they can't because, I mean, obviously like when their backs have been against the wall, like I said, in Dallas and in Baltimore, they have gone on those long drives. But I just think that basically what you're doing in those situations is you're you're taking your your Ferrari to haul plywood. Like, you've got the sports cars on the outside use them like yeah. you've got you've got the options to like you've got this is an offense that where they lose it was a 21 to 3 in Kansas City and instantly you're, there there's no panic in the room because okay we have all of these guys like you the whole point of of having these guys is we've got these guys to mount a comeback like this team going down 21 to three is a much different thing than the Baltimore Ravens going down 21 to three, because that offense is just not built for quick strike. Like this offense is, and this offense can switch the course of a game in one play. And it doesn't matter if you're backed up at your own 10 yard line, they can do this. So to me, I, like you said, you've just got to lean into it at some point and say, listen, we're going to, we're going to use our game breakers and they're going to go break the game because like, if you're going to, if you're going to try and mount these 12, 15, 17 play drives, eventually it's not going to work out for you. And what are you going to look at? Okay. Well, you're going to look at a box score again that has Joe Burrow throwing the ball one time for more than 15 yards, or you're going to have Joe Mixon running for like 3.8 yards a carry. Like there are going to be things that you're going to look back on in those situations and you're not going to look favorably upon. So to me, like you said, you've just got to try it. Okay. Well, another thing that's been bugging me is, and Joe Burrow has intimated this on several occasions, it takes them a quarter to figure out what they want to do. Shouldn't take them a quarter to figure out. They should be able to come out, dictate the terms. And that's why they have been accepting the ball. Uh, Even when they win the uh, coin toss, they've been getting the ball first and trying to march down the field. Well, on Sunday night, that didn't work out because they, they got off to a horrible start. They need to find a way to get off to quicker starts and dictate tempo out of the shoot. Instead of falling behind, they have the offense to come back. They've done it in all three losses where they come back, tie the game twice, and actually took the lead on Sunday night before losing. They've got to find ways to get out of the box earlier and find some tempo earlier. And I just think maybe hurry up right out of the gate would be a way to do it. Get these guys running downfield, the receivers, and – I think Joe Mixon had, you know, his best game of the year on Sunday night, but he only touched the ball 14 as a running back, only touched the ball 14 times. I think they've got to still do a better job with their power game and their run game uh, early on. Stick with that. 
and get the play action going. One thing that can answer all of this is if there is a legitimate threat to run the ball and they get the play action going. Now, I say that, of course, one of the play actions on Sunday night was Joe Burrow uh, faking the handoff to Mixon. What does he do? do he takes one look down the field doesn't see Patrick Queen when he's throwing for Jamar and gets picked off and that that was a big moment in the game yeah and kind of like you were saying about dictating the terms early like what do you think what do you think defensive coordinators and opposing defenses do when the when they're up 10 nothing when they're up 13 nothing they're not going okay let's continue to be aggressive and they're going they're they're not taking chances and and i think that that kind of plays into this as well so if you can go out there like when we've seen this team score first and come out of the gates hot like it's a little bit chicken to the egg thing for me where it's okay does a hot start correlate to they're just playing well that day and they're mm-hmm. going to win or right. does a hot start kind of correlate to okay this kind of allows them to play the rest of the game as they want so, I, I mean, if you're able to – the way that your defense is playing right now, like I like I, t- I tweeted this the other day, like I asked the question because they, they've allowed 20 points once this season if you take out the Burrow pick six, like their defense. If I would have told you that, Trag, September 11th at noon, we're talking – Five and oh. Five and oh. Maybe, maybe four and one. And you just – your defense is playing so well right now, you just have to lean into it and trust them because they have given you absolutely no reason not to. Okay. Um, Enough football. We've got to wrap up here. Story behind your hat. Yeah. uh, So it's a West Virginia black bears hat. Um, And every minor league ballpark that I go to, uh, I try to pick up uh, a new hat. Um, And, you know, it's, it's one like I have a Toledo mud hens hat. I have a Fredericksburg nationals hat. Let's see. Uh, Scranton Wilkes-Bear Rail Riders hat. Um, and you're from, by the way, you're from the Mid-Atlantic region. Yeah, so from from right outside DC. So you know, I haven't like seen the Louisville Bats play or anything like that. Right. Um, Dayton Dragons. You should take in a Dr- Dayton Dragons. Game Dayton Dragons game. I'll have to yes. throw that on the list for next summer. Definitely. Um, but like, but so every park I go to, I try to pick up a hat. Um, I think they look cool. Like it's. I do like, too. Like I, I am like I'm a Baltimore Orioles fan, so there are like I have Orioles hats, but like they're the uh, best. That's the best logo in baseball, in I my humble opinion. Love, I love the bird. the The bird is great to me. the The uniforms are the best in baseball. The black, white, orange, and gray, like the four, oh, gorgeous. Yeah, I agree. One. 100% I agree with that. I don't agree with you a lot of things, but I do agree with you on that. And yeah, by the like, way, the next time I have you on the show, try try to dress up a little bit. A t-shirt, that, that's kind of a half-ass effort, by the way. Trags, it is. Trags, you texted me and said, how does 8.30 in the morning sound? I, I sure did. World? Then I said, so you're telling me that because you're doing a, a podcast at 8.30 in the morning when we tape this, uh, it's actually 9.00. Um, you can't throw on a, a nice polo shirt. You can't do that for me. Trags, w- you have to understand that this is like six in the morning for my world. Okay. So like the fact that I'm here should just honor you in, in, in I, and it, of it, itself. It, it does. I, I can't <laughs> begin to tell you how humbled I am. <laughs> um, I, I will try to look better next time for you. 
Yeah, well, you do it. You your hat game is spot on. Um, you obviously went to Ohio University. I love what's behind you. Um, yep, you there's the Bobcat. Um, and one other thing before we uh, wrap it up here, we got a couple of minutes. Um, your background: you covered the Washington Capitals, Ovi, and you were not. You didn't cover them in '19 when they won the Cup, right? Or did you? No. Uh, so I started covering them. So I originally covered uh, the Ravens and the Orioles for NBC Sports Washington. Uh, and then in the the day after the Super Bowl in 2021, that was the Bucks uh, Chiefs Super Bowl. Right. I moved over to Capitals and Wizards coverage. Um, and I did that for the like the COVID year, the weird like 21 yes. year. Yes. And then I covered them for the 21, 22 seasons. Um, so, yeah, the. It was, it was, it was, it was interesting. I'll say that covering hockey is a great sport. We've talked about this at nauseum off the air. Uh, And the NHL season started this week, actually started in Prague, right? Uh, Week before, but uh, hockey is just such a fun sport to cover. It's when it gets to be Stanley cup playoff time. um, I don't think there's a better playoff format in any sport than the Stanley cup playoffs. And uh, do you have a, quick ov story do you have a quick uh hockey story oh man um that's a good one um you know the the problem for me was that so i joined on in covid so i was never in the capitals locker room oh, i never right. went into their locker right. room um oh man i like i i think this kind of a general thing like people say like people look at ov like screaming and yelling at like you know how you know he's 36 now like people look at him doing all of that stuff and like he really is like that kind of all the time he is just like a big kid um and like it was really just crazy to me watching the gold chase because i remember when the year started i was like hey he's getting up there this is pretty cool and then you just blink because the, I mean, you know, this tracks, the season goes by so fast Yes, and you get to the end of the year and you're like, he's it's Gordy Howe and Wayne Gretzky. And that is it. And like he, he routinely downplays the Gretzky thing. He routinely downplays the Howe thing, you know, Oh, I don't know. It's, it's an unbreakable record. It's this, it's that, the other thing he's going for it. Watch him play when the net is empty. He's going for it. He knows exactly what he needs, which is 114. Like if he bags 40 this year, he's like, we are like, I I, I really genuinely think this is the closest thing that we're going to have to bonds. And that, and yes. that's 756. Yep. For the last, I mean, when is the next time this is going to happen? Like for any sport, it's crazy. Okay. Uh, at, before we let you go, I want you to get in a plug for all of the great work you're doing, the Strictly Stripes podcast on cleveland.com with Michael uh, and Mohammed. Uh, give, give me a little um, 411 on uh, what you guys are doing. Yeah, uh, so it's like you mentioned, it's uh, me, uh, Mike Nizelik, Mohammed Ahmad, and we are out there every day. Um, we have uh, Bengals coverage at cleveland.com slash Bengals. Uh, we have our Strictly Stripes podcast, which can be found there um coming to podcast platform soon um you can find it uh you know anywhere whenever that happens but yeah uh you know we've got tons of news there um obviously follow all all three of us on twitter i don't know i haven't burned my uh burned their twitter handles into my brain yet so that's me being okay i've got them because i am prepared (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, there's uh, Mohammed Ahmad, um, M O H A M M A D A H M A D TV. That's his Twitter handle. Mike Nizelik is Michael uh, N I Z I O L E K. And then there's the one and only Andrew Gillis, Andrew underscore Gillis seven zero. So there you go. Yeah, I, I don't have it burned into my like I don't know like I don't know if that's me being a bad coworker if that's just something I'm never gonna have. It's hard to do that. Look, look, those are not easy uh, Twitter <laughs> handles to roll right off your tongue. It, it, right, it's not exactly. Quite as easy as Trags T R A G S. If you have not uh, followed me on Twitter, please do. I would appreciate it. But anyway, he is uh, Andrew Gillis. He does a terrific job covering. Cincinnati Bengals and the NFL for cleveland.com. He just told you where you can find his content, cleveland.com slash Bengals. I'm going to have you back on soon, Andrew. Uh, you were awesome to have on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is the first Bengals podcast, radio show, anything that I've done. So I hope uh, I hope you feel honored that this was the uh, this was the first time I've ever been asked for my opinion on anything. Well, it shows. I'm just being a dick. I'm sorry. I set myself up for that one, and that was really did, and I wouldn't be home run for trags. (laughs) I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't hit that one 320 yards down the middle of the fairway. All right, he is Andrew Gillis. My name is Mike Petralia. Trags. I want to thank Andrew for joining me. You can download this podcast wherever you download all your favorite podcasts on Apple and every other location, Google. And give me another location that's really popular. Apple, uh, Google Spotify, Spotify, Stitcher. There you go. And Stitcher. There you go. That's on all of them. And be sure to uh, subscribe to this podcast on YouTube, Jungle Roar Podcast on YouTube. Click on the link and be sure to subscribe. Want to hear all your comments, good, bad, and indifferent. For Andrew Gillis, I'm Mike Petralia. Thanks for watching.